Money Show. Small business. 12 forces that will either grow risk or grow your company in 2023. We've given Pablo the challenge to identify the problem areas and how you can capitalize on problem areas because when you got to understand that the the issues that you face in your business are the issues that probably everybody, certainly your competitors face, um, and the vast majority of small businesses will face exactly the same issues. You all breathe the same air, drink the same water from different taps, but you, you know, it's all of the stuff is the same. And it's how you choose to deal with the obstacles that either define your success or failure. Pavlo Fatidis, the small business expert and chief executive at Auric Business Accelerator this evening. Uh, I, let's start with the obvious one, get it out the way, the Ramaphosa problem. Um, you know, the ANC's crisis, oh my goodness gracious me, it's our problem, look at us, we're at war with ourselves. Unfortunately, that nonsense is spilling over into the real world and is beginning to have a direct impact on uh, everyday lives of ordinary people simply you know, trying to get along and trying to survive in this environment, Pablo. Completely. And, you know, Bruce, it's always so hard to try and understand the ANC. It, it is the only party. It's the only party in town at this point in time. Um, it's a very opaque organization to us as outsiders. And yet... The decisions they take, how they take the decisions, the logic or illogic as we may see it, has a big influence on, let's call it, our confidence to make the investments that we need in order to stabilize our businesses, but more importantly, grow them. And and we've we've discussed this before, because as a small business, as a medium-sized business, when you make an investment in a business, you need... You need a fair degree of comfort and certainty around five, seven, even 10 years better so that you can make those investments today and start yielding a return on them in our very low growth economy over at least three, four, five years ahead. And the uncertainty around uh, the current president, the uncertainty around what may or may not happen over November, December at the ANC elective conference um, is not doing anyone any favors at all. It's not. And of course, then the the real world issues that come out of that do the ineptitude, the mismanagement, the failure to ensure that the I's are dotted and the T's are crossed. The things like grey listing. I mean, grey listing is a, a very high level corporate problem, but ultimately it just makes the cost of doing business and running businesses and operating businesses in a global context a little bit more difficult, and a little bit more complicated to navigate. Completely. And it, it is such a it's such a difficult thing to understand because if we are grey listed, the friction, the financial friction we will experience through the costs and red tape and reluctance of other companies to, for other countries to trade with us will impede a substantial portion of our economy um, around those who are looking to export, around those who are looking to import, and around those who are looking to enter new markets outside of our boundaries and borders. But it's also going to provide, should it should should the misfortune of it happen to us, and and I still think, Bruce, you understand this well better than I do, I still think we have a fair degree of control over preventing it if we continue with these various, very obvious prosecutions that we've started to see <laughs> over the last six, seven, eight months or so. Uh, it, it, unfortunately, the credibility of our anti-corruption drive is somewhat undermined when the president has a bad back because he can't sit straight on his own couches. I mean, you know... Yeah. 
Oh, goodness sake. Um, KZN is such an interesting one. Now, I, I recall the story, and I've quoted it many times at your, well, to your credit, Pablo, when you went to KZN and you saw the small business leaders and you couldn't understand why they were so cheerful. And they said, well, we're cheerful because all of our competitors have given up and we haven't, and we don't have competition in our markets. Why is KZN still to you a problem zone or is it an opportunity zone? Well, look, it remains a problem zone because it is, it's arguably the most volatile province in the country, which can disrupt and disturb inward investment and confidence around South Africa. It's arguably a problem because it is the most, this popular, this very, very highly populated province has, has, has the least services. And it's unlikely that those services are going to recover very quickly. Um, on the back of the floods, the roads that were washed away, the sewer systems, the waterworks, etc., etc., etc. And I think, Bruce, the most important thing that we must all pay attention to out of KZN is the attitude of those business owners that I spoke to you about. How they looked at it and understood it as an opportunity in the midst and amidst all the concern and extensive semigration that's taken place out of KZN, um, as I understand it and as I'm tracking it, more into the Eastern Cape, Western Cape areas itself. We need to hold on to that mindset as South Africans. And if you know any businesses in KZN, keep in good contact with them. Keep in good touch with the attitude and thinking of those business owners because you will need to feed off it, believe you me, with what lies ahead over the next five, ten years. Yeah, exactly right. And again, you know, people see the the again the semigration issue as a massive crisis of of confidence. And I, I guess it's significant. Does it change the landscape? Is everybody leaving Joburg? Is everybody leaving KZN and moving to the Southern Cape and the Western Cape? Are, are they going to be flooded with with people with wealth and talent and people? Are they going to be ta- flooded with poor people who can't get jobs? I don't know the answer to these questions. But the semigration phenomenon is certainly something that you cannot ignore. Look, you know, it, it has a massive impact on uh, companies out there or businesses out there that service that market. So whoever that market is, as you define it, let's call it mobile people uh, who have the ability to start something or have qualifications that allow them to work anywhere, anyhow, from any place, um, who are opting to move into to the Western Cape and the Eastern Cape for, for various reasons. You know, in part, um, my understanding is that the Western Cape economy or the environment is fairly well run. It seems clean. It seems to be fairly functional, not without its problems like the rest of the country. But people are opting for that life. And if your customers are those individuals, you need to consider very carefully around how you service those individuals. Because if that market's moving away from Joburg and you have built a business around that market, you need to consider about how you're going to position and locate yourself there. But there's another part of immigration another part. And that is, I've been reading extensively around what's happening to very, very large cities right around the US, um, uh, the, the UK, uh, uh, developed economies, developed economies. So including, including Southeast Asia and those areas. What's happened as a result of COVID and remote working is a fundamental shift taking place within those cities. And we've seen it right across Santon in Gauteng. Um, a lot of those city blocks, which were formerly offices, are now starting to look at being converted into partly residential accommodation. So sh- city shapes are also changing as a result of semigration, but a different kind of semigration. And I honestly think that that trend is going to be here to stay.
Yeah, uh, yeah, people will go to where the best opportunities are. Um, talk to me about the broad economy. I mean, into this, we could throw GDP growth, which had a surprisingly strong rebound in the third quarter. The economy now is the biggest it's ever been. We've got inflation that is high, but is probably tapering. We've got a currency that is surprisingly resilient in the face of um, the economic mismanagement internally in our country. Um, it, it's kind of a weird space to be. And I, I I look at all of these economic indicators and I wonder if we can simply build a business that insulates itself from whatever else is going on in the world. Somehow we need to be able to insulate ourselves from the things we cannot control, which is however much growth there is in the economy, whatever the inflation rate is, whatever is happening to the currency. Completely. And, you, you know, the, the GDP growth is really interesting because it came in at, at a fairly robust number, around more or less, was it 2.5%, I believe, Um Within that context, a rising tide lets all boats rise along with it if that boat is not too tightly anchored. And what I mean by that, Bruce, is the economic growth and forecasting economic growth is a really difficult thing. And for us in the small business environment, it's really not that important other than for the fact that if we service very large organizations that have um, a specific shift around the growth of the broader economy, then the opportunity for us is going to translate through into our balance sheets and income statements. The other thing around it is that set your targets for growth next year 2.5% higher than you had initially anticipated. And the reason for it is this. To maintain the value of your company, you need to grow at the GDP growth rate of the economy, and then you need to grow at inflation, and you need to grow at currency depreciation. That sets the growth rate that you need to achieve and maintain what you've already worked so hard to build. So what's that growth? What's that rate at the moment? What, 15%? If you're not growing at 15%, you're going backwards? Yep, pretty much. It's around 15%. Um, and that only creates hmm. part of the scenario. So that would set this paradox. I love that Latin expression. It's used extensively by economists to to position themselves to always be right. It says, should everything stay as it is and nothing else changes, then the position would be this. But it never is so. There are so many moving forces. So 15% is more or less where you ought to be in order to maintain your value for so long as, for so long as, Bruce, you're not in one of at least three or four different industries. So if you're going to be linked to the mining supply chain, for so long as the war in Ukraine continues, which it's likely to do into next year, our commodity cycles are going to continue to boom and rise. If for so long as, is it El Nino? What's the opposite of El Nino? The other one. La Nina. La Nina, right. If that continues and we had rainfall like we've had today and we continue to have a very wet season generally, our food services sector, our fresh fruit and our food exports are going to continue to boom. And if we can translate and follow through, which I think we now will, out of sheer necessity, the deregulation of our entire energy generation and storage, then those three areas, if you're playing into those three major sectors, you're going to have to lift your growth rate significantly above 15% in order just to maintain what you have, never mind growth. Let's look at the big global issues, the stuff that is beyond our control, vastly beyond our control. The the baby boomer generation is retiring. We've got a millennial generation getting older. 
We've got climate change and huge pressure there. The UK announcing today it's opening its first coal mine in decades just in order to get the energy it needs to weather the storm of the war in Ukraine and the economic consequences that has brought to bear over the last 10, 11 months. It's just there is so much stuff going on worldwide over which we have no control that somehow we need to be able to manage at least for ourselves. Completely. And Bruce, you know, the only lens to look at them from all these elements that you just mentioned is not, uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if it weren't there? Would have, could have, should have, didn't. Ought to be, must be, might be, all irrelevant. There is a sacred. And I want to share a magnificent story with you around climate change. So climate change is driving reams and reams and reams of new legislation right across Europe. They've set climate change targets. COP26 was significant. COP27 a little less so. But a lot of the commitments that were made were baked in. And European legislation in particular is very onerous and very severe around the rate and pace and change that you as a business need to accommodate in order to uh, be legitimately operating in those countries and those environments. So a recycler that we worked with, tough business, rough business, hard business, during the period of COVID, looked at all this U- European legislation coming into play, and what he did is he designed an operating system to clean oils and recycle oils that met all the very stringent requirements and regulations being generated out of European climate change legislation. And with that, once he had made sure that he had the systems to meet that with absolute certainty, he started to target all European-owned businesses or European principal businesses operating in South Africa. And Bruce, over 24 months in a zero-growth economy, with COVID in full play, Revenues increased 52% over two years, and profitability increased 127%. It was not a small business to start with. It's certainly not a small business now. Whilst everyone bemoans these terrible, terrible, onerous conditions that are being wrought upon us, he simply chose to look at it differently and say, how do I capitalize on that opportunity by building to that spec, creating barriers to entry for my competitors and narrowing down who I'm going to target with an excellent value proposition. Pavlo Fatidis, it's the way you think about it, the way you approach it, the way that you tackle the problem that matters because you can rest assured that your competitors are looking at it in exactly the same way. Well, no, not exactly the same way that you are. They are looking at exactly the same set of problems. Some will give up, some will capitulate, some will do it badly, some will do it better than you. You will do it better than many others. It is all about how you approach the problem. Warren Ingram, Personal Finance, next.